This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by David Moore and by Evan Grant. And today we're going to talk about, I don't know, the Cowboys losing in the divisional round. And afterwards... Yeah, Kevin, first, may I issue a clarification on what I wrote (laughs) off of that game? Go right ahead. (laughs) I want to apologize to our readers slash consumers for my perception on why the Cowboys lost the game because listening to owner Jerry Jones on his weekly radio segment this morning I found out I was wrong the Cowboys lost the headline should have been cleats cost Cowboys chance to return to NFC championship game that's what it was. Just it was bad, bad traction, bad traction. Well, I will say this. I will say this. There were a couple of times when I thought, uh, early in the day, I thought, "Hey, you know, I hope they've got the right cleats," <laughs> based on what I was seeing from pregame. And B, I thought during the game there were a couple of times when they lost footing. But if bad cleats cost them a championship, <laughs> then somebody who provides the cleats, ain't going to have employment next year. So you're saying that it's not Scott Linehan who should be worried about losing his job. It's Bucky Buchanan. Bucky Buchanan. Well, but what if Scott – Rarely in the crosshairs at the moment. Bucky who grew up in the uh, – in the Bucky who what had if, the proper cleats there. But. Yeah. What if we don't actually know that Linehan – Linehan. I can't pronounce the last Linehan. name. Because it should L- be Linehan. Linoleum? What are you, what are you going I, with here? The, the Scott Linehan. Linoleum? Linehan. Come on. Oh my gosh. What if what if Cleats became his responsibility last week? Yeah, well then okay, then it's all right. No, that's not it. Good. <laughs> so so the owner the So owner, what did the owner say exactly about the cleats? Did he just say that we had the wrong cleats? On one oh five point three. He just said that the uh uh the defense couldn't get the proper traction because they didn't have the proper cleats and that led to them getting gashed in the run game. Yeah, I'm I'm believing that. Uh, that that's not what his uh, defensive coordinator and his uh, defensive play caller were saying after the game. I don't believe that's the overarching theme to come out of the game, but no, no. What else? Did, what else did the owner say on on his radio show? Did he say that Scott Linehan? That was most amusing. Did he say that Scott Linehan was uh, coming back, like uh, like Jason said on the radio show the day before? No, he said that. Um, why would he issue that statement about Scott Linehan or anyone at the moment? That uh, this is a time where you step back and you chew on some things. And uh, is he getting a lot of criticism? Yeah, that happens in every market other than the general manager. He's going to get the most criticism. And that's fine. That's what it's all about. And 
but he did a good job here and good job there. But you look around the league and what everyone else is doing, and so all right, let's, it, he, so we he can, meandered a bit. Maybe. Yeah, so we can say that if everybody's wide open, that, that that Mike McCarthy might be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, offensive coordinator. He made he also made it very clear that if Jason Garrett would have been on the market two weeks ago, five teams would have wanted him to be their head coach. Five. So teams. why why would he want to? let go of someone like that let me just very quickly for for the fan out there i believe jason's quote about lenahan was lenahan i said lenahan he said lenahan i said lenahan no jason's quote was we anticipate no changes correct no he said no he said direct response in direct response to uh will scott lenahan be back yes I don't anticipate any changes, significant changes on our coaching staff. I still always look at anticipate as the great escape hatch. But he did say yes. He did say yes. There's not. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guarantee you that if Jerry comes down and says, we're making a change at offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett will explain how the words that he said weren't actually the words that he meant. Well, then then in the afternoon press conference, Jason said what? He said that he went and raved about Scott Linehan and Rod Marinelli, but then said we, even, we haven't even had our first uh, staff meeting yet. Every You know, there's an evaluation process, but then went on and on and then after the podium, again reiterated that he does not anticipate any major changes to his coaching staff, but indicated he got out ahead of his skis a little bit. But let said he said he didn't remember exactly what he said. No, I don't remember what I said on the radio. Yeah. Now let me bring this up. Jason Garrett is a master at being evasive and talking and yet saying nothing. He right. takes it as a great source of pride that he is disciplined enough to stay on message and not say anything. Him saying that Scott Linehan is going to be back, does anyone believe that he just tripped over himself and he made a mistake? No, I think he may have been distracted and he spoke a little bit ahead of where the process is. But, uh, and here's my other thing, why in the world... Would he say this when everyone knows there's a perception that he's just a puppet for Jerry Jones? And now if you do anything with Scott Linehan, you basically just publicly admitted, I am a puppet. I have no say in my staff because now Jerry comes in and wants to do something else. Why would he subject himself and Linehan to that sort of public humiliation while also, in essence, drawing a line in the sand on Jerry if he didn't know Jerry was on board with him about wanting to bring Linehan back. It all just right. doesn't make any sense to me. All right, let's step back for one second because— We did step back. That, that I, was a step back. No, I want to step back another step okay. because I don't— another step. I, I certainly don't trust anything that comes out of Jerry's mouth, and I've got enough experiences with coaches and managers to know they'll say whatever they need to say in, in the moment. The person that I trust is you. Is this going to get really emotional all of a sudden? This is very— huh? Is this going to get really emotional all of a sudden? <laughs> I just trust you, Dave. <laughs> the person I trust out there is you. Uh, a, do you I'm feel kind of your Lenahan emotional crunch? will be back? I, 
Yes, you feel short term be answer okay. because it, for for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of which is, look, I, I think everyone out there outside of the organization, probably some within the organization, cling to this ideal of what they want as an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, get me the next Sean McVay, get me Cliff Kingsbury. Right. I believe one person here wrote about that. Uh, what day am, was that? Am I correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. on the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. no, as a, <laughs> not as the offensive coordinator, as, an, as a quarterback coach. That's in my yeah. file. Yeah, but, but uh, uh, so that is – everyone has this picture, this ideal in their mind is like, oh, that's where the Cowboys need to go. That's what this offense needs to do. They need to get in step with the rest of the league. But now ask yourself this. Is that compatible if Jason Garrett's your head coach? Is that compatible – with the offense he wants to run, the answer is no. So now you have a very limited pool on offensive coordinators that would come in here right. and be, look, you can, you know, it's like they say on the defense that, that Chris Richard has been such a good fit because Dallas and Seattle are cut from the same defensive cloth. Well, you've got to find an offensive coordinator that's cut from the same offensive cloth as Jason Garrett. And what you're seeing a lot around the league now, which emphasizes throwing the ball over the running the ball, doesn't fit. And you saw a quick example. Mike Zimmer, who came up under this system, uh, had John DiFilippo from uh, Philadelphia become offensive coordinator this year because of his creativity and coming from what the Eagles did and, and while you know, you need to freshen up the offense. He fires him late in the season, and the reason he stays publicly is we just weren't good enough running the ball, which he felt his identity was. So it's a very limited pool on uh, coordinators, I think, that could come in and it makes sense. So I think that also works to Scott Linehan's advantage. Okay, and then the second part of this question, which was also going to be short answer, was this. The other decision maker that I trust out there is you. Should he be back? You need to have a viable alternative that would work. And I've talked to some people in recent weeks and asked them who would be compatible. Who do you think would be a good fit um, that you could say, okay, let's move on from Scott and do something else? And no one's really had, no one's really given me a name with any conviction that they go, you know what, this, this would be a good option. This would work. This would make sense. And so, if you don't have a viable option and you don't have one that you're convinced about, um, I don't think you make this move. Um, that's not to say I don't think a move should be made, but I, but I think you need to have you know that person in place or at least the willingness to expand what you're doing offensively to where, you know, look, let's go back a few years. You know, Jerry was enamored with, oh, let's, let's run this offense when Romo was here. Let's run this offense a little bit more like uh, like you see in New England, and they have two great receiving tight ends. So let's do that. We have Witten. Let's go get Gavin Escobar and bring him in. And it was very painful to sit up there watching, and, and, and Jerry basically turned to Jason and said, and Jason assured me you're going to make this work and he'll change, and you're going to do that, right? Well, he didn't do it because Gavin Escobar didn't block well enough to be in his system, and so right. he withered away as a receiver. Kevin, you're hearing all this, right? I mean, you've had all these questions. You've been excuse me, I, I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> oh my God, Kevin, <laughs> you're hearing all this. You, yeah, you've you've been you've had all the same questions, right. you know, over and over again. I I I guess where I'd want to go with you on this is your take on what David's saying, 
and then factor in, does this reflect on the head coach at all and the fact that Jason Garrett has had nine and a half years here, right? Mm-hmm. And yet the – nine and a half? Well, this is eight full seasons. Eight, full season. eight and a half. Eight, eight and a half. half. As, yeah. as head coach, and he was yeah. here before. And no NFC championship game appearances. Right. Um, you know, my – again, I, I come at this from a different – from a farther off view than you guys do, but my general feeling is we can dissect all this that you want. It sounds to me like there's some degree of stubbornness and lack of flexibility on on that end. They would argue conviction and discipline, but yes. The second part, though, that I would argue here is eight and a half years in the NFL, if you don't get to a championship game at that point in time, are you ever going to do it without like just absolute sheer dumb luck? Well, uh, before before I get to that, I, I want to say, you know, when we talk about there's people uh, a limited field to draw from. It's a limited field, and and uh, uh, let me do what you guys love for me to do. I will, you know, when I wrote the other day about Jason uh, doing something with his offense, I said it it doesn't really matter who the guy is, whether it's Scott Linehan or somebody else. That it has that it's Jason's offense. He's not going to run an offense that's not his. You know, uh, the guy, you know, Scott calls the plays, but this is what Jason wants to do. So it does matter, as, as David said, who you bring in uh, to, to do it. There's no question about that. I don't really have a problem with them even keeping Scott Linehan. My issue with this team is, is that it's fine to run the ball. You, you don't want to turn this into a passing offense. You don't want to put this all on Dak Prescott. What you need to do, though, is to expand Dak Prescott's role. And you need to make sure that in these games he is carrying the ball six to eight times a game. That, 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 the, that the option, when they ran the option down there in that game, you know, that's a, a viable play for them. You know, with, with, with Dak, you know, he, he ran that kind of stuff in, in college. You know, this is, this is the kind of thing he can do. Those are the kinds of things that they do. He ran the ball, I believe, twice in the game the other day. Mm-hmm. What ha- what happened in Seattle? He ran the ball six or in the Seattle game. He ran the ball six times, including that sixteen yard run that set up the touchdown. And when he does that, you watch that what that does to that team. You know, when he makes that kind of run, what it does for mm-hmm. him, what it does for that team. You know, when he does that, you're playing to his strengths when you do that. And I think when you when you make him stand back there in the pocket and just hand off and they and they line up and they got everybody bunched up right there at the line of scrimmage and then they're going to just run into that wall which they've had no success doing that's what drives fans crazy that that is what they're talking about. and you know what I I'm right with them I, I think that's crazy to do that kind of thing you need to be doing stuff on on offense that plays to these strengths whether that's Scott laying a hand there or not certainly Scott can call that play I mean I think what we need to do is go back and look. At when before Scott came here, he wasn't running. Uh, uh, in in uh, let's see, he was also the offensive coordinator in Detroit. Calvin Johnson was. They were using wildly creative and getting him the ball different ways, and he was working out of every position. And he was catching defenses were always fixated on taking Calvin Johnson away, and he they kept finding him ways to get him the ball. Right. So it's not it's not that uh, the Scots are this caveman and that this is what he wants to do. This is what Jason wants to do. You know, this is the thing that has occurred to me the other day in, in interaction with readers is that one of them brought this up, and I think he's exactly right. Jason is an old man in a, in a young man's body is what he is. He, he is stuck in another time, and he wants to be very conservative 
Uh, he is like a coach. The coaches that when I first started out in the business, you know, 40-something years ago, he's like those coaches. Says that, the old man who would like to be stuck in a younger just, body. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd take my body over yours, pal. So let's just go right there, okay? Nine pounds. Down nine. <laughs> pounds. Nine. Uh, I'm, I'm down five, and you started out way ahead of me. Okay. So no, the point, the point is this is what this is what offended. Jason. This is what Jason wants to do. This is Jason's offense. We keep talking. We keep making it seem like it's Scott's offense. It's well, Jason's. But offense. But that's my point, Kevin. All right, eight and a half years, no championship right. game. Do you have a coach who is well, what he I, is? I can't. You can't blame that all on Jason, though. You can't listen. Listen. Who's providing those players? It, does, it wasn't until recently, but that, that part he doesn't those matter. Players. That part doesn't that part matter. Doesn't matter. No, because the, the owner, players don't matter. The owner is not going to change. The guy but who is providing. Are you talking players? about what should happen or what could happen? I'm talking about what could happen. Well, I mean, look, look. I, I to me, there's no reason to get rid of Jason Garrett. At this point, I, and I don't even—I'm not even sure there's any reason to get rid of Scott Linehan. What I'm saying is, is that can't you guys look at this offense and see what happened and what went wrong this year? And can't you at least look at the times that you were successful and say maybe we should do more of that? Okay. And before we get into what was successful and what they could do more of, this is the question that I posed on Twitter at the end of the game Saturday night, or not—it was a statement, and I got a lot of blowback that. I did not see glaring issues. Not that this is exactly, but you didn't know about the cleats a, then. But yeah, a big yeah, compliment. <laughs> but I did not problem. see glaring issues with the coaching staff on Saturday night. I thought the Rams simply out executed and overwhelmed the Cowboys at the line of scrimmage. the The defensive line bottled up the Cowboy run game. Now, was it too predictable? Were the Rams able to load the box and just plan for the Cowboys to run straight up the middle? Yes. Um, their offensive line, which for you know, has having played together basically every snap all year, in sync with a week of rest and arrested Gurley, plus CJ Anderson being used more, uh, they just overpowered the Cowboys. So I, from my perspective, it's not like the the Garrett and Lenahan combo is not to blame for this loss but the question I still have is it's now eight and a half the encompasses what amounts to nine, nine seasons and you don't have a championship game appearance and at some point in time a coach is what he is and I, I wouldn't fire I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't fire these guys off of Saturday night but I certainly would have to consider based on the end of this season have we seen enough? Has he had long enough opportunity? Well, and if you want to approach it that way, which I think is legitimate because you can find very few to no examples of a staff that is in place that long. And if they haven't, go Marvin back and Lewis. look. Marvin is Lewis. the only one. Yeah, and he's not there anymore. Right. But look how long that – but every other team that wanted – a title did it early in the coach's tenure and then right. they got kind of got back you rarely see anyone go on this long without having at least gotten to a championship game and so then you say well what is the ceiling and why do we keep hitting our head against it and you have to look at the at the coaching staff and, and management in place and say has this group become too comfortable uh are they just looking at the same things and are some of those the wrong things and, and so to your point and I think it's a valid point. 
How should Jerry Jones respond to that? Mm-hmm. Here's one way to respond. Jason, you're convinced this offense is right. You believe Scott Linehan's the right guy for the job. You're both on the final years of your contract. Ultimatum. Let's play it out. This and he did that with Jason Garrett before, and Jason Garrett responded uh, with 12-4, and four, and they won they got, and he got his five-year extension uh-huh. coming off a team that wasn't very, you know, after, after, but all, it, after, all, nine, after all the eight and eight after years. After nine years, 12-4 and four alone is not going to do it. No, it's no. got to be a championship but, but game now, or bust. But now, yeah, and now it is okay. Uh, and, you know, Scott Linehan did a two-year extension, so he's tied in with – see, the problem is now if you extend Jason, then – you know, you can bring someone else in next year under, but but this they all expire at once, and they're all in this together. You know, if the thing is, if you if you got rid of Linehan and didn't extend Garrett, who is he going to get come in here? Unless they feel they have a viable chance to be the next head coach, because then this guy could be out after a year. Where's my security? So. Just leave it all tied in a bundle together and go, okay. And put an ultimatum. You can, win, you can win this way offensively. You're convinced this is the way to go. Uh, I've gotten you the players in play. I'll, I'll go out. I'm going to re-sign uh, Demarcus Lawrence. I'm going to re-sign Byron Jones. Uh, we're going to go out, and we're going we're gonna to pick you up a, but the a bottom slot line receiver. Is you've got to put, uh, at this point in time, you've, now got to put a, you've got to put a definitive finish line. You have to cross a threshold. You've got to show me that the divisional round is not your ceiling. That yes, you've got Do to it. get farther. Kevin, agree or disagree? Uh, I, I don't like your question, so I'm going to not answer it. Uh, I want to go. I want to go back. No, I want to go back to what we said before the season. Before the season started, I had a little trouble with my microphone here. Uh, before the season started, we said that uh, that Jason had to do what to get to the playoffs. With the proviso that there are always things in the journey that can alter this. Yeah, but the belief sure. was that he had to uh, – my belief was that he had to get past the divisional round to assure he was coming back. Yeah. Now, there are – you have latitudes within there, starting three and five with not the weapons you needed, with, with the personnel department misreading what you needed right. on the receiving core – to come back from three and five to do that when a playoff game go on, I think, I think gives you enough. But the, the journey, what he did within the journey and keeping the team together and all on message was impressive enough where you say, okay, let's do that and go forward. But but I felt, I felt going in that they can't keep, you know, hitting their head against this ceiling that they right. had to break through. They so didn't this break not, through, but they got right back to the point that has been their their line in the sand before. Yeah. So this is, um, yeah, uh, I ran to Brad Sham uh, in the locker room the other day. And so Brad says, well, you've been trying to fire him all year long. Uh, and I said, no, no, that's not true. I have not been trying to fire him all year long. What I have said is, is that this team should be winning. I thought that they should be winning when they were three and five. Yeah. Uh, I thought that the, and, and Brad's point was it's a different team. You know, when they got Amari Cooper, when they and, the, and they changed the offensive line around, that that changed everything. That made a difference, and you have to give him credit. Evan's leaving. I'm leaving. Okay, thank Hi, you, Evan. Evan. Thanks for coming. It was great. Right back. It was great. great. Uh, what the, the 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 deal was is that uh, uh, that was good coaching. Making the call on the offensive line coach, you know, admitting the you made Alexander. a mistake. As, as we said, the personnel, the the receiving core was on 
personnel, uh, but the coaching staff decision was on Jason Garrett, and sure. he didn't bring in the right guy. But he, you know, made the decision in season to let a position coach go, which rarely ever happens. Right, you'll see that with coordinators during the season, head coaches and coordinators, but you almost never see it at the position coach level. And I was I was told that that was a decision that he it really had made yes, by the end of training made, camp. Yeah, that yeah. this ain't working. Well, this isn't well. Yeah, he stayed with it a little too long. He stayed a little too long. But but again, he was the one who brought Paul in. So it was his decision. It was his call. While I'm saying that, I really believe that. Okay, uh, we'll let Des Bryant go. We'll go. We'll pursue these guys. Can you make that work? Yeah, I can make that work. Oh wait, now you take Jason Witten out of it. Can you make it work with these guys? Well, I'll try to make it work, depending on who we get. You know, and free it. So that was really more of a collective decision, but uh, it, there there wasn't anyone in in the Jerry Jones family saying, "Hey, we got to go get this Cincinnati offensive no. line coach." No, that was uh, that, that was, was all Jason Garrett's call, and he admitted his mistake um, at the bye and, and and moved on from that. Yeah, so that so I give him credit for that. You made a bad call, but you made. Because this is the, something that that we, but you didn't ride it out into the sunset. No, yeah. this is this is the thing that we've talked about before. I think, and at least I, I've I've talked about it before. To me, when when Jimmy Johnson was here, Jimmy's singular genius to me was <laughs> when something doesn't work, forget it. Out. You're, you're a third round draft pick. I don't care. Out. You can't play. You know. I I was amazed by he was that. By very Jimmy. decisive and didn't have an ego. Where well, I got to hold on to this guy because if I if I cut bait with him now, people will question my personnel decisions. He just goes, he's comfortable enough to go, no, I made a mistake. Everybody makes a mistake. I'm not going to hold on to a mistake. Let's right. keep going. And I, I hit more than I miss, so I'll acknowledge when I miss. Absolutely. So Jimmy would do that. Now, yeah. here's, the, here's the difference for, for me in the whole situation. In the, in the, if we're going to talk about Jason's job security, which I think is kind of out of the question. He's, he's coming back as the head coach. But if we're going to talk about that, let's look back at the at the calls that Jerry has made of his, of his head coaches. And of course, he went through a period there where he was just blowing through head coaches. And I believe we 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 know that that Jerry regretted firing Chan Gailey. That he yes. he felt like he he pulled the trigger on him too this quickly. His biggest coaching mistake, letting him go too quickly, given right. the circumstances that Chan was dealing with. Yes. Uh. So that was the one. Now he didn't he didn't say that about anybody else. Mm. He doesn't regret any of the other coaches. You know, they all kind of went through their period here. Bill Parcells had his time here. Dave Campbell was just there to to absorb losses. You know, bless his heart. Uh. So we what we see though with the difference between them and and Jason is that as we know. He wants Jason to be his Tom Landry. And and this is all part of, of, of Jerry's ego. Look at this. I got this right. I got the right guy. This is this guy's just like Tom Landry. He's really smart. Well, here's the thing. He's not just like Tom Landry. No. Tom Landry was one of the most innovative head coaches in the history of the NFL, both on offense and on defense. He in court, he he brought it he he invented the shotgun. You know, formation. He he came with a flex defense. Flex, mm-hmm. You know, he, players in motion. N- none of that stuff was going on before Tom Landry mm-hmm. came along. So uh, there is no innovation involved with with Jason Garrett. None. No innovation. It, he I will you know, and we've said this many times. From Monday to th- Saturday, he's a great head coach. You know, makes a lot of good decisions uh, with his team in the, in the process of, of building that. He has good relations with his players. Mm-hmm. His players do like him, I believe. No, no question. When we saw that thing about the T.O.'s tweet, when T.O. said that, oh, there are guys in the, in the locker room saying, oh, he got to get rid of him. That's a lie. 
T.O. doesn't talk to anyone in that locker room. No, he doesn't. He doesn't know. There's not one person he can point to who would tell him that. No, there's not. This is a team that likes their head coach uh, because uh, he, he's, you know, he, he doesn't throw them under the uh, the, uh, nobody's mm-hmm. getting thrown under the bus here. Uh, these are his guys, and uh, and he never says anything that, that criticizes them. Not publicly. Not publicly. Privately, no. he does. No, no, yes, but absolutely. Yeah, but not yeah. publicly, and they respect that. And yeah. you know what? I got no problem with that either. I respect that too. Fans always want the, the head coach coming out and ripping guys. Those are the head coaches that don't last. You know, Usually not, yeah. Right. Don't, again, he's a different – his. St- my point is always, whoever you are, and you always get an argument on style, whether – uh, does a coach need to be feared? Does he need to be respected. liked, beloved, respected? All uh, the only one you, you have to have respect there. Sure, but you can do it any other way. But the thing is, you have to be true to your personality and who you are, because if not, that is when you start to lose players. When when they feel that you're disingenuous or you act one way with them and in a different way, uh, you know, in, in public, that's how you lose a locker room. And 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 Jason has been very consistent. Uh, ad nauseum in that way from a public oh, it's, it's, and, and in fact I, I, th- I think Jason Garrett actually sacrifices his public persona for the sake of the team and right. you see it time and time again he does himself no favors personally but he feels I don't care because this is the best way to build the team and have a relationship with my team so I'm willing to do that now here's the here's the issue to me uh, involved in all this I believe that that Jason wants to bring Scott back I mean, he said that. I believe that's what he wants to do. Sure. Um, here's where I think that this could get a little wrench thrown into it. Uh, Jerry may not say, oh, you got to bring him back. But here's the other investment that, that Jerry has and Stack Prescott. Mm-hmm. He wants to believe that's his quarterback. He's dying to believe that. If he feels like J- uh, that Jason is not doing enough to enhance his ability – and to make him into that franchise quarterback, I think that'll be a real issue for Jerry. I think mm-hmm. that's the conversation he's going to have with Jason, as a matter of fact, in this offseason when they meet. He's going to say, are you doing enough to bring this guy along and make him into the quarterback we have to have? Well, and again, just go back to that that is what Jerry latches onto, and it's what you – how often did you hear Romo-friendly? We're going right. to make a Romo-friendly team. Absolutely. Now he's into a Dak-friendly team. How can we make this – we get Amari Cooper and give up a first-round pick and not pick until number 59 in April because we need to get better players around Dak so he can evolve the way that we need him to evolve. Now you're going to say, what else do we need to get Dak? Because that's not enough. Right. And uh, – so, yeah, how he's used. And, and Jerry has mentioned several times before that, that he would like to see Dak Prescott run more. So he's going to sit there and go, tell me why isn't he running more and why, how do we go about him doing this while still protecting him? You know, one thing I didn't have a chance to, to talk to Zay, kind of a chaotic scene there. I do wonder if he didn't run as much against L.A. as he did against Seattle because his knee was bothering him from that hit he took on that 16-yard run. You know, he showed up on the injury report last week. Now, he didn't miss any practice time, but he showed up on the injury report, was wearing a sleeve on the knee, uh, which is something he he doesn't often do. So I just wonder if um, there was enough of an injury there to that, uh, I don't want to say prohibited him from running, but uh, persuaded him not to be, not to look, for the run as quickly as he would otherwise. I, I yeah. would not dismiss that uh, as far as this game. Having said all of that, look, 
Dallas didn't deserve to win this game. I mean, the no. way the way the Rams were hammering away at them, um, you know. The, the amazing thing is was that, was that the way they ran on them, and they were still just eight points down. Well, and that that's the other thing you get into. And it, one, I find amusing that that Sean McVay, uh, who's credited with being like the cutting edge coach, and everyone wants to find the next Sean McVay, really went old school and really took the yeah. Cowboys game plan, which is. Just run, do some play action, throw as little as possible just to keep the chains moving. Uh, we're just going to grind you into submission. And that's what they did. And that's what that style does. When you run as much as L.A. did in that game, when the Cowboys usually do, that's why we're talking about going into that game, you know, 13 of the 17 Cowboy games had come down to one score. Mm-hmm. Now, technically, this Rams-Cowboys playoff game was one score with a touchdown and a two-point conversion. But the game was not that close as far as how Dallas was manhandled. But, you know, all of that being said, the thing is when you run as much as that, you don't score as many points. It's more about controlling the clock and dominating the other side versus a, a, a point differential. So the, the point differential doesn't always reflect how bad you're getting beat up in that no. game when you run as much as Dallas normally does or L.A. did in that game, which is why it was closer. But all that being said, that – the other, the other thing that's that that's somewhat concerning about that philosophy is, look, if Dallas would have converted that fourth and one to open the fourth quarter, they could have come back and and tied the score or been within like you know two to three points. Sure. And in a game they had no business doing, but because look they they just scored before that, got the two point conversion to pull within eight points then forced L.A. to punt for the only time the entire game. Right. So finally got their one defensive stand of the game, came back, we're moving, we're on the 35-yard line. If you pick up that fourth and one, then suddenly you have a first down on the Rams' 34-yard line, right. and you're the first minute of the fourth quarter, you're at least going to get a field goal out of that, and that changes the dynamics of the game the rest of the way. But but their inability to do anything there and, and uh, getting stopped on that fourth – not only got stopped on fourth and one, didn't come close to picking up the no. first down on that fourth and one. Now, listen, uh, and I know everybody's going to talk about the, the playoffs now, and the four teams left are the four highest scoring teams in the playoffs, right? So everybody's yes. going to say, this is the way to go. This is what you have to do to be this kind of team. You know, the two big running teams, the Cowboys and the, and the Seahawks, both out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Of course, they both made the playoffs, too. Yeah. You can make that point. Uh, and certainly the Cowboys stopped the Seattle, and then, and then the complaint about the what Pete Carroll was doing in that game is why do you keep running the ball yeah. when you got Russell Wilson who throws it so well? And the Rams are third in run offense, but they can play. And this is to Jason Garrett's point. He's going, okay, yeah, we like to run, but you have to be built to win different ways. I just don't think Dallas is built to where they can win passing enough. And, and we saw that I think against the Rams because what they were doing with Elliott, they. They had to score some more points, and their, their passing game had to be more effective than what it was after that first possession when they did hit Cooper for the 29 yards. They had to pick up some chunk yardage. They had to force uh, the Rams' defense to care enough about the passing game where then Ezekiel Elliott go, – and that's – you know, the Rams showed they're built to to win running the ball as they did against the Cowboys, but they off, they've also shown they can win the 54-51 game by throwing it around. Sure. Dallas has not shown it can win that sort of game. I don't think they're diverse enough offensively to do that. So you, you look at it, and you know the Saints, too. The Saints can run the ball pretty well, too. Yeah. They didn't against Dallas, but they, they're capable of running the ball with those two backs. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, you, you have to be built 
to win different ways offensively. The Cowboys' problem this year is really they were only built to win by running the ball, and that is where they have to get better. They have to be able to win passing the ball as well. Yeah, I don't know how much better they're going to get passing the ball. I just think that they have to do more with Dak Prescott. they got to, they got to give him a better toolkit to work with. Sure. And I think if they can do that in this offense, if you're going to commit to Dak Prescott, which I believe they, they, they will not do an extension with him this year. I believe they'll let him play into his last year of his contract. What do you think? If they did that, it's not because of any doubts in their mind. It will be because they want to use that money to get better players around him and then say, listen, we're going to take care of you. We're going to, but yeah. let's go ahead and let, let's focus this money here. Let's, and why wouldn't you let's, do that? Let's run this out as long as we can. Now, the extension would start after, and I get, but I'm, but it's uh, there are different ways to play it. But uh, Dak Prescott is going to get a very large contract from the Cowboys. Yeah. All right, there was a lot of stuff to unpack, uh, and uh, and we still got a lot of stuff left in our luggage. Evan, you want to jump in there and you know was was about what we, we said in the last was Evan, minutes? Was Evan gone? <laughs> I didn't notice. Sorry, I just had a little bit of um, breaking news that I, I can't share yet because I don't have confirmation, but it's not. Oh, wow, no. big news. Not really exciting. Evan um, loves to do that kind big of Big news regarding what, Evan? Can you at least? Uh, former Ranger. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, All right. Maybe we can share that in our Rangers podcast today. We'll see. We don't have confirmation yet, but it's disturbing. Um, oh, no. oh, my. So uh, let's. Um, uh, I can guess. Okay, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here because we're gonna talk to Mark Followell about the Mavericks. Did you know Mark Followell won, won an award? He did. Mark Followell. Let's won talk an to award. Mark about his award. Yeah. I would love to do next that. on our next podcast <laughs> of Ballsy. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.